You are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome to an emergency episode of the Locked On NBA Podcast. No, I am not Josh Lloyd. I do not have that incredible accent that he has. Uh, so you're going to have to deal with me. I host usually this show Fridays with Adam Modest, but I am joined on this one, on this emergency special episode, crossover episode of Locked on NBA by Jake Madison, who does Locked on Pelicans. Jake, how are you holding up? This, this weekend has been, this weekend's been wild. The, this has been something. My voice doesn't normally sound this raspy. I'm not trying to do the Josh Lloyd impression, and it's because I've been talking so much for the past like 12 hours. And yeah, that that happened fast. Life comes at you pretty quickly, and I've learned almost always keep like a recording device near you in case of breaking news. Now <laughs> we were. It was funny the when the news came down. I do we we record with Silver Screen and Roll or I, I work with I write for Silver Screen and Roll and I didn't get the Woj notification right away and it was literally just the only thing I saw was Harrison saying put the pre write up but the problem was we had pre writes for either way we had a pre write up for just in case Anthony Davis was traded to the Lakers and then we had one just in case Davis was traded elsewhere uh, and and all I saw was a pre write so I was like wait wait, wait what, what's going on and and my wife saw the look on my face. And she was like, there went our weekend, right? <laughs> and and that wound up being the case. But you know what? I'll take it. I'll, I'll take it. And I would imagine people out there in New Orleans would probably take this trade too, right? Uh, I think so. I, I, when we were kind of discussing the planning of all of this, I sent you in that email. I'm like, are we just both happy? Like, yeah. is that what this is? Like, is like everyone's happy other than maybe the Celtics, which is cool. We can both join forces and laugh at them. And like Rich Paul's happy. Anthony Davis is happy. New Orleans is happy. LA's happy. This is just like wins all around, basically. Yeah, absolutely. So what we're going to do here today, we are going to start by talking about the negotiations, the history, how this actually went down. That's going to be segment one. Segment two, we're going to talk about the actual deal itself and the intricacies of it. And then finally, in segment three, we are going to talk about the execution date and how much that matters and and the fallout of all of this for both teams. Uh, It's a fascinating deal, and it's the kind of deal – it's the rare deal where – and you can – I might be hyperbolizing here, but – but it feels like the kind of deal that we're going to be feeling, we're going to be seeing fallout from ripples from for the next decade plus, if if not maybe a couple decades. No, no, it is. You know, basically, and we'll get into it in the second segment. The Pelicans control the Lakers picks for something like the next seven, potentially eight, and maybe even more years, depending on the timing of this deal. Someone tweeted it out that they're just laughing, thinking of the ninth grader who's going to kind of now one day be part of this Anthony Davis trade. And it's like, <laughs> it's fun. You know, you know what? Yeah, that's kind of wild to think about. So there, there's a lot to look at with this, whether it's how it went down, like you said, the actual package. And then what's next? Because that's a huge question mark and has a lot of serious implications. Yep. Let's though. Let's start though with the the history of the how everything went down. Originally, the people, the two key factors, the two key uh, negotiators when this initially started was with Magic Johnson and Dell Demps, neither of whom are employed right now. So one, Jake, congratulations on outlasting both of those guys. Uh, <laughs> and two, let's. I, I want to start with. I, I I'll say this: I do host Locked On Lakers, but I remain unbiased in all these things. And I thought that the Lakers handled the trade deadline 
about as poorly as you possibly could. Uh, I thought I, I when 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 Davis made his trade demand public, I one of the things that I said was that the Lakers are going to have to operate in good faith and 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 they're going to have to. And it was funny that Magic, after the fact, said that he felt the the Pelicans didn't operate in good faith. Which you know that doesn't matter. They're holding the guy you want. Yeah, you have like, to convince it, that's them how it to goes. trade him away. Yeah. And I thought the the first trade that we ever heard about was something like Rajon Rondo and JaVale McGee and Michael Beasley, maybe one of the young guys and a couple, maybe like one first-round pick. And if that's your initial offer when the Pelicans are already annoyed with you as an organization, they're going to start they're they're going to start ignoring your calls and I think that's kind of how it went from that point on. Yeah, and you know, there was a at least a decent offer at the time on the table there, but like nothing was going to get done at the deadline because the Pelicans just had no incentive to do anything at the deadline. You know, and you and I have talked about this. You need to get other bidders in the mix and you needed to kind of have some things shake out before that. And we're also in some kind of weird Avengers timeline where for the Pelicans to end up with Zion Williamson, it had to go down exactly like this. You know, for the Lakers to end up with the fourth overall pick, Mm -hmm. it had to go down exactly like this. If these two teams make a trade, then the Lakers don't have four and the Pelicans probably don't have Zion because it influences where they're going to fall in the lottery. So, like, everything kind of worked out probably how it should have worked out. And, you know, this deal, if you want to compare it to what went down at the trade deadline, is essentially the same thing. You know, Zubac, who is in that one, doesn't really matter and is inconsequential. Especially now that you guys have Zion. Yeah, especially now with Zion. And, like, Kuzma, you know, if – if you value him a lot, then it maybe matters. But if you don't, like if he's not in there, who really cares kind of? And the only person who cares about that is Genie Bus. Yeah, the only, the only person. person. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, if the Pelicans were trying to throw it out there that they really cared about Kuzma, and that's kind of the intel I have from internally it was a negotiation tactic to get more picks, it worked. And it ended up being okay. So this is honestly probably a better deal for the Pelicans than what was offered at the deadline. Plus you factor in like the other parts of it with Zion and the fourth overall pick. This is just good overall. And it did, you know, for the situation that they were in, the Lakers could have tried to get cute with it. And you and I have talked about that as well, where it's just don't be cute, operate in good faith. Don't try and just like lowball them because they're going to walk away from the table, make your best offer and try and get a deal done. Because yeah. if you get cute, you don't end up with Anthony Davis. And that's what happened with the Boston Celtics. Yeah. If they're not going to put Jason Tatum in there, that was a done deal, giving the leverage to the Lakers. So credit to the Pelicans for getting as much as they did yeah, for Anthony Davis when, when the market was drying up. Yeah. I, that's kind of when Pete and I talked about this yesterday, right after it happened, I, I analyzed it as such. I thought that and we'll talk about the deal itself here in a bit. But I thought, given the context, they overpaid because where were the other offers coming from? That said, in this kind of a process, given how great a player Anthony Davis is, why give the opportunity for another deal to come along? And I kind of think this deal, as it's constructed, was the Lakers not offering up that opportunity, right? Because if a deal came along... I, there, there have been reports on both sides of whether or not Gail Benson and other people within the Pelicans organization wanted to send Davis to the Lakers, right? And this, to this day, is the only time where a superstar goes to one of the preferred destinations that they had initially, right? 
Kyrie yeah. didn't go to one of his initial ones. Jimmy Butler didn't go to one of his initial ones. Paul George went to OKC. Kawhi Leonard goes uh, north of the wall, wins a title, though. Um, and, and you know, in, in this case, if another deal came along that was, say, 85 cents on the dollar that the Lakers gave up, the Pelicans send Davis to that city. Right, they, that that deal gets done. If Boston just puts Tatum on the da- on the on the table, that deal gets done. And I think this was the Lakers just kind of stepping up, saying, "You know what? Let's just get this. What is it actually going to take to get this deal done? Here's our here's our offer. Pelicans take it. And I think both teams moving forward are better off for it. So what we're going to do? We're going to take a quick second, pay a couple bills, and when we come back, we are going to talk about the deal itself and the intricacies of it, how we felt about the deal on both sides. I think it's the rare one where both teams, if they're being completely honest, feel like it's a win for either side. So it's it's a fascinating deal, really. So I did a lot of talking in the first segment. So what I'll what I'll allow you, Jake, to do is is outline the deal itself, the what's going either way. Basically, from and the reason I'm doing this is the Lakers get Anthony Davis. You get to take the enjoyment of of all of the picks, the players, <laughs> and everything involved that are that are going back to New Orleans. Yeah, it's like we can break this down, and it's really as simple as cool. The Lakers get AD. He's really good. Do yeah. we need to dive like that much, that much into it? <laughs> right. Like he's very good. Um, kind of as simple as that. So it's in terms of players, it's it's a haul for New Orleans, and it's a little bit complicated. And the compensation might not be set just yet. I think there's going to be more coming. We'll talk about that in the third segment too. So they're coming in with Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, and Josh Hart as the three players in the deals, all young guys. They get the number four pick in this coming Thursday's NBA draft 2019, then no pick in 2020, and then it gets a little bit interesting. The Pelicans have basically reverse protected the Lakers pick in 2021. They get it if it's top eight. They don't get it if it's not top eight, and then it switches to an unprotected pick in 2022. In 2023, it's an unprotected pick swap, so the or the Pelicans will get the better of the two picks. Then it's an unprotected first rounder in 2024, which the Pelicans can push back a year, let the Lakers keep that pick, and then take it in 2025 kind yeah. of at their discretion. That's the interesting part of it because that outlasts LeBron James's contract with the Lakers where either he's going to be much older still with them or maybe not with them at all. So there's some intrigue about what that could happen. And there might be more coming because this deal is not set until they have a trade call with the NBA, which will be happening at maybe one of two times, which is yet to be determined. So it's this deal for new Orleans, I think is not so much get better next year. It represents a lot of potential. I think, think Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, and even Josh Hart can be really good players. But right now, they still kind of leave you wanting a little bit for what they kind of produce, and you can speak more to that. And you've got to hope they take those big steps to really make them centerpieces of this deal. Other than that, it's kind of looking at these picks and what they could end up being. And basically, you have David Griffin betting that either the Lakers won't get it right in the in the short term or that they're going to be bad in the long term once LeBron James is no longer there. Anthony Davis is a really good player and maybe this is my way of being a bit of a homer and taking a slight shot at him. Go I've seen it. what he can do trying to carry in a team. 
Mm-hmm. It hasn't worked out too well here. Not that the front office did him any favors, of course, but we've seen him as kind of the number one guy, and the Pelicans were still picking in the lottery or would have been had they not just traded away first-round pick after first-round pick. So right. right now this deal just kind of drips in potential for New Orleans, but it doesn't have like immediate benefits or consequences, I guess is the way I'm looking at it. It feels like the kind of deal you can pull off if you are if you were just hired as the face and voice of basketball in in New Orleans, right? Like David Griffin can make this deal because he is a made man out there for the foreseeable future. And and it's kind of job security for him too because he's going to sit there and say, "Look, this is a trade I made. I would like to be able to execute X, Y, and Z on the back end of this thing, right? So so from that standpoint, it really makes sense for Davis. The way I would kind of look at Lonzo and Ingram, they are very – they're really good if players, right? Like, Yeah, if, that's a good way to describe it. If Lonzo stays healthy and if his shot comes around, then he could be a star. Like he could be, he could be a legitimate – he could be a point, starting point guard on a championship team, right? Uh, but – his shot to this point has not done that. He doesn't finish well around the rim because he's reluctant to get to the free throw line. And, oh, by the way, he still hasn't played his 100th game in the NBA. Uh, Ingram is an if player. If his shot comes around, if he's okay with his blood clot thing, which is still you know a, a, a legitimate concern, though lesser it's it's to a lesser extent than i think some have made it uh as as in as something like that can be made right yeah i it's think it's not that's a Chris Bosch situation no like that that's one thing i'm not overly worried about because i would assume maybe some medicals have been exchanged in some yeah. capacity here and there's going to be a physical done yeah and the pelicans have massively upgraded that kind of side of their operation from when they were sharing staff with the Saints. You've got Aaron Nelson from the Suns over now. I trust them more on this than I would have if it had been the previous regime. So, like, that's not even something I'm even really thinking about all that much, which is a good thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, I, I, I think both of those. Oh, and then Josh Hart is he has the kind of game like he's getting he's. He tops out as, as Danny Green, but Danny Green has won championships, right? And and he has that that kind of game that I think, if he if he reaches his his full potential, which is only a couple of years off, maybe a year away, uh, he he's the kind of game that you, he he has the kind of game that you could just slip onto a good team, and and that team is going to be better, right? So the, the the players themselves, they all have potential in and of themselves. And I, I really think, like, if I were uh, – Pete and I talked about this on the show, that as we get into next season, what I'm going to start doing is, because New Orleans is a couple of, uh, hours ahead of us, I'm going to slip on the first couple quarters of that game, and then when the Lakers game comes on, I'll be able to pay attention to that. Like, there's going to be a lot of games of that because it is going to be a fascinating team. Lonzo Ball – Starting the break with uh, Drew Holiday also in the backcourt. Those guys are going to get after it defensively. There's going to be some shooting concerns across that roster. But but they, they look like if I was a New Orleans fan, I'd be legitimately happy about this. And then, look, from the Lakers' side, they're basically gambling on winning a title over the next three years. If they win a title, it doesn't matter what happens on the back end of this, right? The reason we look back on that next that, that Nets trade, the Brooklyn Nets trade, and say it was such a fiasco was not only because of the draft compensation that we saw on the back end of it, but because Brooklyn didn't do anything while those guys were in, were in town. And if the Lakers are somehow able to figure out a way to win a title over the next few years, then yeah, 
that's more than that's more than worth a couple picks in in the mid 2020s in my opinion well, well, if you were if you were on the Lakers side of this would you would you be willing to make that trade yeah like so yeah, I mean, you've got to go all in. You've got LeBron James. Like, it's what you do. Like, yeah. and like this, this is exactly what they had to do. Otherwise, things were going to get a little yeah. bit scary there in Los Angeles. So it's like, like you said, it's just it's a good situation all around. And we kind of seen what Julius Randle and D'Angelo Russell do when they leave New Orleans, and you almost kind of hope that's going to be the case here yeah. in New, uh, not New Orleans, Los Angeles. Sorry, and you hope that's going to be the case here with those guys growing. Lonzo fits really well. Like, he's probably the one I'm the highest on assuming he can get that shot but think about him in like an alvin gentry type system too as i take this a bit of a different direction Mm -hmm. uh getting out in the break and running when you don't maybe don't need to worry about that jump shot as much is a very big thing and Mm -hmm. he and holiday in the backcourt are going to be an absolute menace defensively throw in zion who's going to be an upgrade defensively over julius randall if randall doesn't resign and i'm not anticipating that yeah this is making yeah, there's makings of a really good defensive team. Ingram, I'm uh, questions about fit there, but you can figure that all out later. And that probably comes to the what's next part of the show where yeah. I don't know if all these guys are going to be on the roster on opening day. So like it, like we've been saying, it just makes sense for both teams. Like there's a, a lot of if and potential here in New Orleans and the Lakers go all in to try and win a title. And if you just get one, you're good. You don't yeah. need more than one. Like you're happy with just one. Yep. Absolutely. And, and, and it's, it's cool because both these, both these franchises are on different timelines and they seem to have found a way to optimize both timelines with this deal. What we're going to talk about next though, after we take a quick break is what happens next. Uh, Jake, you alluded to whether or not some of these guys are actually going to be able to play together in New Orleans. We have to see what's going to happen with that number four pick, which is something David Griffin was very clear about based on reporting that he wasn't interested in keeping from the get-go. So we're going to take a quick second, catch our breaths, and when we come back, we're going to talk about what happens next. So we already talked about what led up to the trade. We've talked about the trade itself. Now comes the time where we figure out, all right, what happens next? And I think the biggest question hanging over all of this is the execution date. Because if the Lakers are are, are able to execute this on July 30th, then they have plenty of cap space to be able to go after free agent X, right? Superstar free agent X. If it's a July 6th execution date, then they're not able to. And then this feels like, while it is a win because you do still land Anthony Davis entering his year 26 season, you do it, – it, it gets dimmed just a little bit in terms of the polish on, on this deal. Uh, I think the thing that hangs over whether or not – or the day that this gets executed based on the reporting that I've seen so far – and Jake, you can correct me if I'm wrong on this mm-hmm. – is whether or not the, the Pelicans are able to find a suitor for the number four pick. Uh, and 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 some combination potentially of one of the assets they just got in this trade and the number four pick. Are they able to acquire a a more established NBA player? I, am, am I wrong in that reading of the situation? No. So I think that's what they're looking to do. So th- this is where things get almost weird, to be honest, and really, really complicated. Like you said, it's either the end of July or it's going to be July 6th. It's it's one of those two dates and the implications on which one is so important. And I think there's a number of factors in it. I don't think it's just if the Lakers or if the Pelicans look to flip four. So if they look to flip 
the fourth overall pick for either other picks or other players. And you need to rope in a third team to kind of just make this legal or have it make the most sense. It probably gets done sooner rather than later and hurts the Lakers in a way. Or, you know, if maybe they're comfortable keeping the pick, which no, they want to move it. I can tell you Bradley Beal's the dream. I don't think they have a realistic shot at him, but I also wouldn't be surprised to see the Pelicans maybe move the fourth pick for a later first round pick and maybe a future first round pick next draft or drafts in the future. Mm -hmm. If they're not particularly enamored with anyone and like having the, you guys probably have to be thrilled. You don't have four overall in this draft because kind of having the fourth overall pick in this draft really sucks. Yeah. Give it, given it's a three the three player draft. It, yeah, basically. And there's a huge drop off and you can probably get the same caliber of player at like eight or 10 as you could at four. So you may as well try and move back. And I think that's kind of the way the, the Pelicans are looking at this, but it also could be the Pelicans still play, not playing games, but negotiating with the Lakers on this too. So if you look at the, the, the Lakers could have a maximum of $32.5 million in cap space. If you wait until July 30th, because they would have sought, they'll make the fourth pick overall for the Pelicans, but he's drafted by the Lakers. They sign him. Then you've got to wait the 30 days to trade the guy and so on and so so forth. And all of a sudden it means you're sending out more salary, which gives you more cap space. So they could have 32 and a half million in cap space. But if it's done on July 6, if AD does not waive his trade bonus, which is about 4.8, something like that, the Lakers could drop down to 23.7 million in yeah. cap space. Huge, the, huge, huge difference. That's mm-hmm. the difference between signing Kemba Walker or like two kind of mid-level guys. Yeah. If AD waives the trade bonus, which it's being reported now, right now, currently that he's not, it's um, going to be $27.7 million. So it's a $4 million difference there. Th- that has huge implications either way. So either Lakers end up with $23.7 million, $27.7, or the $32.5. They obviously want the $32.5, and you've got to wonder if maybe they will – Give something more to the Pelicans to entice them and say, hey, we'll basically pay you whatever it is, draft pick something else to do this on July 30th. And I that's why I want to like I think there might be more coming. Yeah, I think so. Either I, I, I've actually heard either way on Davis waving that trade thing. Right. Like you don't make all you don't make all the noise that he made about coming to the Lakers or wanting to be a Laker and all that. Now, maybe it was just Rich Paul or whatever, but but still, Davis signed off on a lot of that noise. I don't all think, of that noise. Yeah, <laughs> including the shirt he wore on the last day that, that he— uh, Oh, man. <laughs> but, oh, man. <laughs> but So I, I think I, I would probably predict that he waves it. I, I think he would prefer not to. Obviously, it would be nice to have the four extra million dollars. Uh, but I think if the Lakers aren't able to do whatever it takes to have this trade executed on July 30th, I think we we wind up hearing that that Davis waves that thing. If not, then we're talking about a completely different different situation. And again, I I think what it's going to come down to is if New Orleans finds a suitor for whatever else they want in this trade, then they are more happy to execute it on the 30th. If not, it's probably going to cost the Lakers something else, right? Yeah. And 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 that's where we get to see, you know, somebody like Kyle Kuzma 
who was who was held out of the trade <laughs> in, know, in weirdly prioritized, <laughs> yeah, in weirdly prioritized manner. Uh, we'll see whether or not either he makes it into the trade, or or say you know the Lakers still have Mo Wagner and Isaac Bongo as as, as two other uh, potential trade assets. They also have future second rounders that you can make conditional or, or whatever it, whatever else it might take. But but yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch how else that goes. We would be remiss, though, not to talk about, okay, if things go in the Lakers' way here, if the Lakers are able to con- you know either convince the Pelicans to execute this thing on July 30th or if New Orleans is able to find a suitor in, in all of that stuff, okay, what does this mean in free agency for the Lakers? Uh, a lot of people in Brooklyn seem to think that Kyrie Irving is, is definitely going there. All right, so he's off the table. Uh, Kawhi Leonard hit. My weird thing, and, and I'm interested in, interested in what you think about this because this is the Locked On NBA podcast. I, I I find it weird that anybody would be comfortable saying what Kawhi is either getting ready to do or getting ready not to do. He has given nobody any read whatsoever of what's going on there. How would you read the situation just based on where you're sitting on what's going there? Because you know either he. Kyrie or Jimmy Butler slash Kemba Walker feel like the next domino to fall. Yeah. So in terms of Kawhi Leonard, whatever the shrug emoji is, that's basically like what I'm doing here. Yeah. I have no idea. No clue. <laughs> it's impossible to get a read on. He's kind of like a weird, I don't want to call him a weird dude. Like I, I, that's not the way to do it. Just kind of reserved and quiet that he is like, you never want to play poker against that dude whatsoever. And cause he would just wreck you. Cause you have no clue what's going on with him. And we have no read on it. Like it makes sense that he should stay there. But at the same point, he won on the title and maybe he just really wants out. So I don't know. And I don't think the Lakers internally have an idea if they have a chance at him or not. I think you can kind of get a read on some of the other players. And it seems like for L.A., their targets are going to be a guy like Kemba Walker or a guy like Jimmy Butler. And those are probably, like you said, the the two main ones that are really going to be on the table for him um, and or at least the two most realistic options. And they're going to probably need to have the max space to sign those guys. So. Mm-hmm. It's it's going to be intriguing. I'm also I think a team of LeBron, AD and Kemba would be a whole lot of fun to watch. So, yeah. you know, they're they're in a good spot. But, yeah, I have no idea what Kawhi Leonard's going to do. And I wouldn't bank on that or kind of plan around that. What would you is there a scenario you would prefer to play out in New Orleans? Like with the assets is there? What would you prefer to see, you know, either some combination of the players that went in plus whatever draft pick count compensation? Is there another deal that you would prefer to see out there as this thing takes its full shape? Yeah, I mean, so this whole process for me has been just get the best return possible on AD and set yourself up for future success, like long-term success, not three or four years. But if you can plan beyond that, because with an asset like Zion Williamson, who I am as high on as possible, it's 
you have a chance to basically like write the sins of the past on what you did with Anthony Davis and Dell Demps is the GM. So get this the best return possible. I'd probably like to flip Ingram for something else, whether you include the fourth overall pick with that. I just have serious doubts about his fit with Zion. I'm a little wary of like a, a Eric Gordon situation that we ran into a number of years ago where he came over in that Chris Paul trade and they had to immediately sign him to that kind of like mini max deal and restricted free agency. And it did not work out. Yeah. I'm a little bit scared about that. So if you can get a couple of pieces for him, I'd be happy with that. Other than that, you know, do the trade on the 30, help the Lakers out and get another pick or player or something like that and just improve the team. So like whatever's best is what I want to see them do. I wouldn't be upset with maybe trading the fourth overall pick to the Hawks for either eight and 10 or maybe eight and 17 plus another future first. If they want to kick that can down the road a little bit too, I think there's a lot of value there, you know, from your angle though, I'm intrigued. So are you of the mindset of go for another big player? Say they get the 32 and a half million sign a guy like Kemba sign a guy like Jimmy Butler, or do you want to see them maybe use that money for a number of guys to kind of build some depth around this roster. I would go for the star. Here, here's my thing with the Lakers, and I think it's perfectly amalgamated with this deal itself, right? They land the big name. They land Anthony Davis. But given the context of the situation, they might have overpaid, right? And not only did they overpay, but they might have – I'm not going to put it past them because I don't really trust Rob Palenka, not unlike anybody else in the NBA, right? Because of the timing of the trade, they might have overlooked that minor detail too, which winds up being a huge detail. And so yeah. <laughs> the Lakers, the Lakers right now, this, the, as currently constituted, they're very good at executing the big things. They, they, they were able to get LeBron James, whether or not that was Rich Paul, whatever they were able to get Anthony Davis. Well, again, whether or not that was Rich Paul, whatever, but they still have those two guys on their roster right now. They're, they're, they're all right at, at the end game of getting those, those big things done. Where they're really bad is on the margins. The Rajon Rondo move, the Michael Beasley move, letting Ruth Julius Randle go, letting Brooke Lopez go, uh, Lance Stevenson it somehow exists. Jason Kidd is for some reason on on their coaching staff right now. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're very good at the big things. They're awful at the margins. So when you land a third superstar, if you're able to land a third superstar. That can somehow make up for the marginal work that I know they're going to screw up in some way, shape, or form, and that's kind of where I'm where I'm kind of currently sitting. And and you know what? Maybe they prove me wrong. They've yet to. <laughs> We're still waiting for them to to prove me wrong. But but as of right now, I think you go out and get the surest thing that you possibly can, and you you then have the room exception to, to find another role player. You'll probably get some veteran minimum guys who decide they want to chase a ring, you know, alongside LeBron, AD, and Superstar X, and you go from there. And, and apparently they think Kyle Kuzma's the next Kobe, so it's nice that you have LeBron, AD, Superstar X, and future Kobe Bryant on your roster. Not only that, not just future Kobe Bryant, but like future magic is uh, president of basketball operations. Once he's retired, right? Like this right. is like a 20 year plan for Kyle Kuzma here in LA. He's great at dinner parties. I hear <laughs> it's the wildest. It was the weirdest thing that I kept hearing behind the scenes. It was just, the, it was the weirdest thing, how infatuated they seem to be with this guy. And look in the NBA, it is a business. So business acumen is kind of important. It just, you know, Please shoot better than 30 freaking percent from three-point range next year. 
Well, I mean, I can say that to Lonzo Ball of please shoot better than 38% from the field for from your career. Throw, from the free throw. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, just, he, that's why people I like, can well, fire can you, off these shots now that he's not a Laker. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Look, 38% from the field for his yeah. career in two years in the NBA. Not not great. I know he's a yeah. good three-point shooter in college and shooter in general. Has not translated. I got concerns no. about that. Yeah. But there's other things that make up for it. Yeah. Like, basically, this is not the end of anything, this trade. So yes, you've got LA going to, Oh wait, supposedly I'm no, I don't even know. I'm like, I have Twitter open and people are like, Oh, AD is waving the trade, uh, kicker. I I have no idea who this person is. So I'm not even going to listen to that right now. Um, this is, so the trade is completed and that saga is over, but like another one is absolutely kind of starting again. We're hitting part two of all of this, where there's a lot more to go and nothing's going to be done in the next week or so regarding this for either team, just with the trade, let alone what their next moves are going to be. It's kind of like the start of a new story that we're going to be seeing unfold. That's really interesting. If you like South cap stuff actually <laughs> yes absolutely if you if you if you watch basketball games with a calculator nearby this is this is your deal it's it's fascinating it's the kind of thing that like i said like we've been saying all show along this is the kind of deal that we're going to be feeling ramifications of for decades to come not just during anthony davis's career but the the careers of all these draft picks that are going to be coming along whether or not the lakers are able to to get lebron james one of his 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 next title all of these things it's a fascinating fascinating deal jake this was a lot of fun uh i i i would imagine we're probably going to keep talking over the course of this offseason <laughs> yeah i don't think we're going to be like cool good deal goodbye i think we're going to be- <laughs> <laughs> talking about this a lot. And of course, everyone who's listening, if you want to know more about either specific team, go to listen to locked on Lakers, go listen to locked on Pels, because I think we're going to be covering this for like the weeks and months. And like Anthony said, probably years for, for this deal going forward. So if you want to know more for each team, we're going to have like a lot of specifics coming. I'm sure on everything. Absolutely. Check those shows out. Check out the mock shows that are continuing to go across this channel as well. Uh, check you If you're looking for a place to find podcasts, check out Himalaya. You can find this show and our shows and all of the Locked On, and, uh, Locked On Network anywhere you find podcasts. Thank you guys very much for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next time. <laughs>